Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, where we'll be going for this Sunday and next Sunday, uh, is uh, given to us as we take a look in particular at verse 16. But I'd like to go ahead and read verses uh, 15 and 16 together. Uh, It says there, as we begin, uh, for this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. See, Paul has heard of the faith of the Ephesians, uh, that faith that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, that faith that has uh, fostered in an environment for them to have a love for God, something they did not have apart from Jesus Christ, and a love for others. And one of the ways in which this love for others is exhibited is in praying for others, uh, to think about other people's needs above your own. Uh, and part of what Paul is doing is uh, this faith that he's seen, this love toward the, uh, uh, the saints, is in turn stimulated him to give thanks to God for this particular aspect The fact that they have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that God has given them a love that they did not have apart from him. And so Paul is thanking God for their faith, for their love. And what does he do as a result? He gives it uh, over to God uh, in praying for those under his care. And so as I think about this, you know, we've we've talked about prayer um, before Uh, And what I did is I went back and looked at the sermons that I preached uh, back in Matthew chapter 6 as we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, as we considered uh, the uh, disciples' prayer or the Lord's prayer, as you're more uh, apt to to remember. Uh, And we're given that model prayer there, not to pray those exact words every time we pray, but to give us a framework by which uh, we know how to rightly come to God, that we understand what prayer is. And I really strongly believe that we do not pray enough. I do not pray enough. Uh, And as we we think about what uh, prayer symbolizes, what prayer accomplishes through uh, Christ, I think we would spend a whole lot more time in prayer. Because you have to remember, as I I shared with you back when we studied Matthew chapter 6, is that prayer is communion with God. Unbelievers do not have the, the privilege of communing with God in prayer. doesn't mean that they don't try and pray and offer up prayers, but the thing is, is that prayer is specifically for believers. It's specifically for you so that you can come to God and to share with him what is on your heart, to be able to come to him and to seek his wisdom and his guidance, uh, to, to be encouraged to know that you can be forgiven when you come in confession of prayer. Uh, Prayer is something that should be a a vital part of our lives. Some have even said that prayer should be seen as, you know, uh, uh, you know, as air is to the physical body, prayer is to the spiritual life. Uh, And so uh, let me refresh your memory just in short for you to remember what we learned about in Matthew chapter 6. You remember that we started out by saying we don't pray to be seen by others because there's an audience of one. When we pray, we're not praying to the people around us like the religious leaders of Jesus' day did. They they prayed so that people would hear what they were praying. 
But instead, we're supposed to pray knowing that we are coming into the presence of the eternal holy God, who through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the son of God, provided a way by which we could could commune on that level. So we don't pray to be seen by others. Uh, We are also supposed to avoid empty prayers. So in other words, just, you know, repetitively praying the same thing as if there is no connection there, as if they're only words, uh, you know, or that there's no meaning there. Uh, There's nothing wrong with, with doing things in repetition, but the point to re, you know, we have to focus on is the fact is that, that we are communing with God when we pray. And so we, we should avoid just having a bunch of empty words and empty prayers uh, that are devoid of what God has taught us that we should pray for. Third, we took a look at the fact that when we pray, we need to remember that God knows what we're going to pray. This is one of those things that's hard for our finite mind to wrap around, but God knows everything past, present, and future. You know, the Word of God gives testimony to that. There are prophecies yet in the Word of God that have not been fulfilled. And the prophecies that have been fulfilled, every last one of them to every jot and tittle has been fulfilled because God knows everything. And so when we come to Him in prayer, some may say, well, why should I pray anyway? God already knows. Well, see, the thing is, is that you're missing out on that communion, you're missing out on that opportunity to spend time with God, to deepen your relationship with him, to, to spend that time pouring out your heart before the throne, knowing that God hears you, that he listens to you, and that he is going to be the one who is going to be able to fulfill whatever your need may be. And he'll do it in his time, which is why we sing the song, Teach Me, Lord, to Wait. Because it's not always the way we want, and it's not always in the time frame we want it. But the thing is, is we have to realize is that God knows what is best, and he only gives that which is good, and he gives what we need when we need it. And to remember that just because you think you need it doesn't mean you actually need it. But God does know what you need. Fourth, we consider the fact that prayer belongs to God, and so we have to come to him in a right way. Uh, you know, part of that is is making sure that we're not seen by others to avoid empty prayers and to remember that as we come to God, we're not, in, you know, informing him of something he does not know. But also, too, remembering that the, the reason why we can actually pray is because of Jesus himself. You know, I'm, I, I liken Jesus to the pipeline of prayer because he, it's through his righteousness that we are able to come into the throne room of God. It's because of Christ's righteousness that we can actually commune with God that we've been made right with him. And the Holy Spirit is our partner in prayer. Uh, he is the one that helps us when we are in those moments of weakness. Because we know in our weakness, uh, we can see God's strength. And when we come to him in prayer, what we are acknowledging is that we are weak, that we are in need of help, that we're not as you know, bold and mighty and strong as we think we are. We have to remember that we are supposed to humble ourselves before the God of all, and that he will teach us and he will guide us. And the Spirit, as our partner in prayer, will help us uh, by interceding for us. Because sometimes we just don't even know what to pray. And that's okay. Because remember, God knows what you're, what you're praying about. 
And so trying to frame it in such a way that we, we, we try and make it so that, you know, we can somehow, you know, uh, sway God in some way, shape, or form. We need to remember that God does know what we're praying and that the Spirit can give us the words that we need even when we don't have them. And the other thing that the Spirit does is he conveys the will of God to us. Because when we pray to God, we have to remember God is not a genie in a bottle. God is not there to grant us our three wishes for the day. God is there to, for us to commune with him, but also for the Spirit to convey the will of God to us. And one of the things that we have a tendency to do in prayer a lot of times is that we pray for the things that we would like to see happen or we want to happen. And we have to remember that we have to, to pray so that we pray God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To realize that the Spirit can help us see what God's will is for us. And to know that God is going to give us that which is good. We talked about the spiritual posture, um, you know, for probably half of a sermon. And the, the summation of all that is that the, uh, at the heart of all of it is that we are to submit to the will of God. And then the, the disciples' prayer in the, the second half of it speaks to our needs as disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, it, it shows our total dependence upon him in relation to our daily provisions, forgiveness, and the strength to face temptation. And so that was multiple sermons condensed down into five minutes uh, for you to know, you know it, what we were to do in relation to prayer based off of that model prayer. Uh, but I want you to see this lived out because what I'm going to share with you today are going deeper into some other aspects that we didn't consider in Matthew chapter 6. So Paul, as we find out from our text here, um, he is praying for the church at Ephesus. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. So I want you to ask yourself a question. As you look back over this past week, as you consider what you prayed about, I don't want a show of hands. I don't want to, you know, uh, isolate anyone out. But how much did you pray for the needs of the, the church family here at Ellington Baptist Church? Because what happens is, is we, we can spend a lot of time praying for what we want or what affects us directly. But unbeknownst to us, there are people within our church family which are part of our body of believers that are going through things that maybe you don't know about. Maybe they're struggling with doubt in relation to everything that's going on in our country right now. Maybe, maybe they're gripped by fear of, you know, potentially getting COVID or being sick that every, you know, sniffle and sneeze is, is COVID coming to get them. Maybe they're struggling because they're about ready to lose their job. Uh, maybe they're just in a low spot spiritually because they're not able to gather together to assemble. Uh, maybe because of it being wintertime or sickness or whatever the reason, you know, a faulty vehicle where they cannot come. But the thing is, is that Paul took the time to say to his readers to encourage them not to toot his own horn, but to say, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. See, I think one of the aspects that shows the, the life of a healthy church is when we're praying one for another. And sometimes that's hard 
But see, you have to remember that the faith that we are given as a gift produces a love for God and a love for others. And in that love for God, we will enjoy the times of communion with God, coming to him in prayer, saying, God, we need you every hour of every day. But also, too, in that love for others that we we talked about last time, you know, God can give us the ability to be an encouragement to other people within the church family. Now, whether you realize this or not, you are prayed for every week. You know, as I, I go throughout my week, God brings people to mind. And so I will, you know, as I'm doing something else, I'll lift them up in prayer. Sometimes I know they're going through something. Sometimes I don't. But see, that's how the Spirit works. The Spirit works in bringing people to our minds and, and helping us see that we, we need one another and that we should share in each other's burdens as well as our, our you know, uh, blessings uh, and be able to encourage one another uh, in this like precious faith that we have. Well, see, Paul did this for all the people under his care. And I, and I just want to share three examples with you because uh, he ended up speaking this way as he prayed for those under his care. Uh, Romans chapter 1, um, verses 8 through 10. He says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for, you, uh, for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention, or I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Now we know from the book of Acts that Paul actually does make it to Rome eventually. But in the meantime, he's praying for the church at Rome. He is praying that, uh, you know, thanking God for them. And he says, you know, notice the language. Without ceasing, I make mention of you in my prayers. See, the thing is, is that as a body of believers, as a, as a local church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, part of one body, you know, that we, we speak about that when the body rejoices, you know, if one person in the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices. When one part of the body is hurting, the, the rest hurt. Because we're, we're all, you know, bound together by the blood of Christ. We're all unified by Christ. You know, the spirit giving testimony that we belong to God. And so as part of that body of believers, we should have a desire as we have that love, not only for God first, but a love for others is to bring them before the throne to to pray for them and commit them to God's care. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, Paul again says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for all uh, making my prayer with joy. Uh, Because of your partnership in the gospel uh, from the first day until now. So in his his letter to the church at Philippi, he's saying, you know, I thank God for you. You know, so this last week, this last month, have you taken time to thank God for your brothers and sisters here at Ellington Baptist Church? Because that's something that should be a part of what we do. We should be thankful for one another, even when we push each other's buttons. I'm supposed to get a rise out of that. You guys are all asleep out there, I guess. Hopefully I don't push your buttons too much. But the thing is, is that we're supposed to pray for one another. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly making mention of you in our prayers, 
remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So there in that letter, you see it all coming together, the faith, the love, uh, the hope, and a constant mention of them in prayers. Now, see, these letters, Paul didn't just, you know, have uh, all the letters with an opening introduction and a closing, you know, uh, benediction, and then just fill in the the in-between parts with, you know, details of what he was actually writing about. He wrote each one of these letters out as a, a flowing out of a heart for God and a heart for God's people. Uh, and so we should follow that example of praying for others just as Paul did. But see, Paul was not alone in praying for other people because even Jesus prayed for other believers. In, in John chapter 17, we have Jesus' high priestly prayer. And I'd like to share two aspects in here in verses 11 and 17 because I think as we pray for one another, you know, and as we, we are, you know, prone to do because, you know, uh, we like to pray for the physical aspects of our lives because none of us like to be sick. None of us like to be hurt. You know, um, we don't like to be hurt by others. Uh, we, we like to pray for those things, but I want you to notice what Jesus prays for in relation to his disciples uh, and those under his care. Um, in verse 11 of John 17, notice that Jesus prays for the unity of his disciples. He says, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So Jesus, right here in verse 11, associates the, the fellowship that they have uh, as you know, Jesus, the Savior and Redeemer, and the head of the church, to pray for those under his care that they would be unified just as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are unified. So the example that we have of Jesus praying here you know, reflects the unity within the Godhead. And so this is one of the things that, that we could pray for as believers in the church today is that God would continue to unify us around the truth of the word of God, that that God would continue to unify us as a body of believers together as we commune in prayer, that God would unify us as a body as we reach out and share the glorious gospel good news with a world that needs to hear. So when was the last time you prayed for the unity of this body of believers? It's something we should pray for. Jesus prayed that prayer for his disciples. And it should be a prayer that is on our hearts as well, is to pray for unity, that the Spirit would work in each heart to draw us closer to God and therefore closer to one another. But also notice in verse 17, he also prayed for the disciples' sanctification. In other words, that work by which God makes us holy as he is holy. And notice what Jesus says. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So part of something else that Jesus prayed for, besides unity within the body of Christ, he also prayed for the word of God to sanctify them. So in other words, the equivalent would be for us as believers today is a, as we are having the opportunity to open up the word of God today, that God through his spirit would sanctify this truth in our hearts because God's word is truth. 
See, the, thing, the reason why I preach from the Word of God is because I have nothing to give to you in and of myself from a spiritual standpoint that is going to help you in any way. As many churches that are filled with, with pastors and preachers that will tell you that, you know, you just need to believe in yourself and, and, and you know, be a, a great motivational speaker to, to pull people in as if what they have is what they can give to others to make them, you know, better before God. Well, the thing is, I have nothing in and of myself that's going to make you any better in relation to your walk with God. But I can, through the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word, which is truth, proclaim to you that truth. Because I don't preach my words. I preach the Word of God. And I hope that the day that if I ever get to that point where I am just up here filling the air with, with empty words, that that will be the day that, that, that someone will tell me I need to step down. Because we need to stand on the Word of God. And that, that was important to the Son of God, that as he's praying in his high priestly prayer for the, the infant church at this point, he's saying to the Father, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. So that's something we can pray for one another, that the word of God would have its great work in each of our lives. But also in Luke chapter 22, Jesus' final teachings before going to the cross, Notice what he prays for Peter. Uh, He prays that his faith would not fail in verses 31 through 34. Uh, And you're familiar with this passage. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. In verse 33, Peter said to, the, uh, to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. See, Jesus even knew what Peter, you know, had. he had good intentions. His words were, you know, words that you would want to hear. But see, Jesus knew Peter's heart. And he knew that, you know, as Satan had demanded to have him, to sift him like wheat, that Jesus prayed for him that his faith would not fail. Peter did have a crisis of faith because he did exactly as Jesus said he would. Before the the crow, uh, uh, you know, uh, the rooster crowed on that day, he did deny knowing Jesus three times. But, you know, that was a teaching lesson for, for Peter, for him to realize the, the power of God that would be utilized through him from the day of Pentecost forward, as God gave him, by his grace, the ability to preach powerful sermons and to stand for the truth, no matter what that meant for his life. So Jesus prayed that his faith would not fail. You know, that's something that we should pray for one another is that we would stay strong in the faith, that we would stand in God, to not stand in our own strength, but instead realize the importance of God in and through everything pertaining to your salvation. Don't underestimate what God can do. And realize that, yes, you may be able to do things in your own strength. You may be able to rely on your gifting 
But the thing is, is you're missing out on the power of what God can do. And then when the time of crisis comes, you, you don't know whether or not if Satan is demanding to sift you like wheat or demanding to sift Ellington Baptist Church like wheat. And so we need to make sure, just like Jesus prayed for Peter, that we pray that for one another, that you pray that for me as your pastor. That I would remain faithful to the truth. That I would not fail in my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the second thing, it was in verses 39 and 40. As he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed for his disciples to not enter into temptation. It says there, And he came out and went as his, was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to that place, he said to them, Pray that you do not enter into temptation. And see, this is a prayer that we, we should be praying not only for ourselves, you know, as, as we walk each and every day, realizing that there are temptations all around us to partake in the, the things of this world and of the sinful flesh and of what we used to be. Because temptation will always be there. As long as you have this, this sinful flesh that still battles, even though you're not a slave to sin, you still can sin. That's why if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The thing is, is as Jesus is praying for them, he's saying, you know, pray that you yourselves don't enter into temptation. So that's something we should be praying for one another as well. Because I can guarantee you there's temptations even as you're sitting right here. Temptations to be thinking of things elsewhere, to not be focusing on why you're here, or to be, you know, thinking uh, whatever. You know, our minds need to be held captive by the word of God. Uh, and you know how our, our minds can wander. So things, as you see, Jesus giving us the example, he prayed for unity, he prayed for sanctification, he prayed that the, uh, faith would not fail, and he prayed not to enter into temptation. And I think those are four things that we should be praying one for another as believers in Jesus Christ. So Paul prayed often for those under his care. Jesus prayed for other believers. So the question posed here as Paul remembers them in his prayers is why should we, as believers today, pray for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, I'm going to give you a few reasons why. First, we're commanded to. We're commanded actually in 1 Timothy 2.1 to, um, to make prayers for all people. It says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So the thing is, is you're commanded to pray for everyone. You have to pray for me even if you don't want to. <laughs> I got one response out of that. We're commanded to pray. It doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter if they're related to us. It uh, doesn't matter if we like them in what they do, um, if they're contrary to how we think, uh, if their personalities are different, it doesn't matter. We're supposed to pray, uh, making prayers for everyone. It says supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. See, because God gives you through that gift of faith, a love for God and a love for others and gives you the ability to pray for others, giving thanks for them, even if, like I said, they push your buttons. Second, prayer is a powerful weapon in our armor. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. That's a passage that we'll get to eventually in the book of Ephesians, but it's the armor of God. Uh, and in verse 18, after speaking to the armor of God, it says, praying at all times in the Spirit. So, you know, you're supposed to pray at all times, and you do it in the power of the Spirit so that you are not a resounding gong, so that you're not praying empty words, so that you're not praying to be seen by others, but you're praying because you're communing with the living God. With all prayers and supplications, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So you have to remember, we are in a spiritual battle. And you may not see it raging uh, in your life throughout the week because you are busy with this, that, and the other, but I can guarantee you that just like Satan asked to sift Peter like wheat, that there is a spiritual battle going on where your accuser is accusing you before the Father. And Jesus Christ is interceding and saying, no, this one belongs to me. The thing is, there is a real, live, spiritual battle that is unseen and even sometimes seen that we can see even within our culture, within our nation today, where people do not want to live by a moral standard, that there is no moral standard. So we can see that battle raging because everything that is against God, everything that is against God's law, everything that is against God himself is exactly that is part of that spiritual battle raging. And so it says, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication or requests for all the saints. So in other words, we should be praying for one another so that we all, you know, are putting on our spiritual armor each and every day and that we are not giving in to temptation. That we are not being sidetracked or side railed by something that is happening, you know, at our job or in our homes Uh, that we're always looking at our lives through the lens of God in his word. Third, prayer reveals our love for one another. 1 John 4, 21, and this ties in with what we talked about last week. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And see, that's part of what God gives us is the ability to love one another and then to care for one another. That what happens to you is of concern to me, and hopefully vice versa. Fourth, prayer gives us the opportunity to do good. Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone. So in other words, without exception, whether they are male or female, young or old, no matter what their station is in life, no matter if they're a believer or unbeliever, you are supposed to do good because that's what God has done for you. He has showered you with good, with his mercy and his grace. But it says, it finishes in verse 10, and especially, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So in other words, I'm supposed to do good, especially to you because you're my brothers and sisters in Christ, because we share a common bond in the blood of Christ. And so therefore, I should seek to do good for you, just as you should seek to do good for me. And part of the way that that happens, this is something where I want you to to pay attention for just an extra moment here, if you've kind of tuned out, is that a few verses earlier in verse 2 of that same chapter in Galatians, It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So the thing is, is that we happen to to be a a culture where we, we really surround ourselves 
and put a hedge around ourselves where we don't want to put ourselves out there too much because we're afraid of being hurt. Now, I'm not saying that if you are to share something within the church family that that is a guarantee that you won't be hurt. Because again, we are still sinners saved by grace. And sometimes people do mean and hurtful things. But the thing is, is that what should define us as a church family, what should define us as believers in Christ, is that we want to bear one another's burdens because we are still part of that same body. So if you have a burden, guess what? Whether you share it or not, that burden is going to affect me. Just like if I have a burden and I don't share that burden, it's going to affect you. Because we're, we're intertwined. We're part of one body. And just think of it from a physical standpoint. When one part of your body's not working, guess what? It affects your entire body. And sometimes things are not the way they're supposed to, and you don't even know it until you find out by accident that something wasn't right in your body. And you find yourself in emergency surgery having something done. Well, the same is true spiritually. And so the thing is, is that you, you need to be sharing your burdens. Because in order for me to pray for you in a more specific way and to lift that particular you know, petition to the Lord, I need to know what's going on. And you need to be willing to share and to trust that I'm going to love you because I have a love for God because of the faith that we both share in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what makes a healthy body when we're able to do those things. Because I still pray for you even if I don't know all the little details. But there's something liberating about sharing the burden that you're going through. And the thing is, part of this body is, is that I may not have experienced in the same set of circumstances everything that you're going through, but it doesn't mean I cannot sympathize. It does not mean that I can't bring it before the Lord. But Jesus can sympathize with us because he experienced everything to a degree that we will never experience yet without sin. So we can bring it to him through the Spirit. And finally, uh, prayer gives us help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, how do we draw with confidence to the throne of grace? By the blood of Jesus. Because he is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is the one that has given us his righteousness. So that gives us the ability to come into the presence of Almighty God to commune with him in prayer. To talk to him as I can talk to my children or my wife or my friends. And to share the most intimate, personal things that are on my heart or on my mind. Because God does care. That's why he tells us to cast all of our anxieties on on him because he cares for us. So how should this inform our lives today? Well, I'm going to close with a quote. Charles Spurgeon said, It's not a matter of time so much as a matter of heart. If you have the heart to pray, you will find the time. Take that in for a moment this morning. Because maybe your first prayer today might be for yourself, for God to give you a heart for God and a heart for God's people, which in turn will give you the ability to say, you know what, I have a heart for them and therefore I have the time. Because you know what, we're all busy. We all have things that we, we prioritize and that we, we need to do on a daily basis. 
But don't believe the lie that you do not have enough time to, to pause and to bring someone before the throne. When those prayer chain texts come through, you have the time to take that moment and just lift them up. It doesn't have to be long prayers. It doesn't have to be verbose. It doesn't have to be a bunch of words for it to be meaningful and for God to recognize that you're recognizing a burden or a spiritual need or even to, to praise the Lord because of a blessing because someone got a job or a, a baby was just recently delivered safely or whatever it may be. See, we have the privilege of coming and doing this. And the thing is, is if you have a heart to pray, you will find the time to pray. Prayer meeting is at 5 o'clock on Sunday nights. Now, I'd be foolish to think that everyone who's here this morning could be at prayer meeting, but maybe that's my limited mind thinking of people coming to prayer meeting. Whatever the reason, doesn't matter what it is, if you have a heart for prayer, then you will make time for prayer. And you know what? You can do that just in your, you don't have to bow your head, close your eyes, fold your hands like you're taught if you grew up in the church. Remember, prayer is communion with God. You can talk to God as you're doing whatever. So take advantage of that. And next week, I'm going to, in part two, speak to what are some of the major hindrances to our prayers. Because there are things in our, our walk that can hinder our prayers. And I'm going to speak to quite a few. That'll be most of what I'll speak to next Sunday. But then I'll finish out with powerful and effective prayer. How do we pray powerfully and effectively? Because we need to. And honestly, in, in our day and age, and maybe there have been other pastors and prophets of old that said that we really need to be spending time praying, but I can never tell you enough. We need to be people of prayer. Because the world around us is raging. The truth is being trampled into the ground. And we might be in the very last days, but that should not stop us from praying all the more earnestly praying for the salvation of those we love, praying for the salvation of those we don't have a fond love for. Because God can give you the ability to love others no matter what, remember? It's not a matter of time so much as a matter of heart. If you have the heart to pray, you will find the time. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for prayer, that we can come into your presence. Father, we all need improvement in this area, and we can spend all kinds of time thinking of the, the, the why nots and the where tos, but may we, as we start in this new year, as we have the opportunity to share prayer requests through the cards that are in the black boxes, to uh, the prayer board for our missionaries out in the hallway, to the church family, whether they're present in person, whether they're listening online, whether we are holding on to uh, a burden that we're struggling with that we should have shared a long time ago but didn't. Father, give us the ability to trust one another and ultimately to trust you because it's, it's all about you. It's all about what you are able to do to a heart that's surrendered to a heart that sees the power of prayer. And so, Father, give that to each one here today and those listening online. And, Father, we'll give you the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.